Welcome to A Journey from the Hill. This is a weekly podcast from Chapel Hill Baptist Church in Northport, Alabama. This week, our message comes from our student pastor, Matthew Ramey. We hope that you sit back and enjoy this message from God's Word and hope that it challenges you in your relationship with Him. Now, let's listen to Brother Matthew and see what the Word has to say to us today. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, We have entered the Christmas season officially. Uh, Really, last week we did. Um, uh, I hope everyone's doing doing well this morning. Um, I introduce myself for those of you who don't know. My name is Matthew Ramey. I'm the student pastor here at Chapel Hill. Um, And I just want to say that I'm so thankful for being able to come and preach on a Sunday. I know that, um, you know, I'm technically pastor to students. I love to preach and I love to be able to do that. And so I just really appreciate the opportunity. Um, Did y'all know that it's already December 10th though? I mean like, yeah, it's coming quick. Um, You know, this season does come quick. Uh, Pastor Shannon spoke about that just a second ago. You know, the season is so uh, busy, um, but it can be even more than just busy. This season can turn into something that's stressful, Um, It can turn into something that's sorrowful for some people. Uh, I know that going into a holiday season without a loved one or or anything like that, I mean, life's not easy sometimes. So Christmas season isn't always an easy time of the year. And, you know, like I said, this season may be filled with all sorts of uh, stress and and, uh, all sorts of uh, just stuff that that really worries us, you know, Um, getting all the presents and all that kind of stuff and you know, uh, me and Riley's Christmas season is actually going to look a lot different this year. I mean, she could literally have a baby on Christmas Day. Um, so, you know, that, that's going to be different this year for sure. And everybody keeps talking about something about not sleeping or something. But uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So, You know, some of you might, some of you might relate with this father uh, in this story. Um, there was a father and a son. Uh, back when you actually had to go, like, shop for presents. Uh, He took his son to the mall. He was going to buy Christmas presents for the family, for his mother. And, you know, they're walking through the mall, going into shops, getting all their stuff done. Well, what happens? You know, the kid's little, sees something that he wants. Father says, no, you can't have that. And so a tantrum sets in, right? Well, this pastor is walking through the mall, and he watches this family from far off. He's like, man, what a sweet little family, you know, father and son going and shopping. You know, that's what this Christmas season is about. I mean, it's about Jesus Christ, but like you get to spend time with, with your family as well. And this father and the son, you know, this kid starts throwing a tantrum and, and freaking out. And so the dad kneels down and he looks at the son and he says, it's going to be okay, Tim. You know, hey, Tim, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Just keep your cool. It'll be over soon. Everything's going to be okay. And the pastor watches this man. He's like, man, that's how you do it. You know, that's how it's done. So the pastor goes up to the man. The kid calms down. The father calms him down. The pastor walks up to the man and says, hey, I just want to, I just want to say that you did a really good job there, keeping your son from, from freaking out, talking to him like that. Is this little Timmy here? And he says, oh, no, no, no. My name's Tim. <laughs> 
And some of you may relate with that this season, though. I mean, like, it can be that way, uh, but it can even be deeper than that. Well, hey, look, I don't want this Christmas season to be uh, just about that, about stress or about something like that. This Christmas season, I mean, I think you know, it's about something greater than all those things. I don't want us as a church to miss, or student ministry, or any of those, or myself, my family. I don't want to miss this Christmas season, this opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. And, and the great thing is, is that this season is about so much more than just us. Man, we make everything about us, don't we? It's about something greater. Have you ever heard of the word Advent? Did Chapel Hill used to do Advent like candles? Did they ever do that in the past? No, maybe not. I just know that growing up, uh, I know like when I was growing up and, and a lot of, uh, you know, traditional worship services, there would be Advent candles and uh, you would light stuff and you would light the candles and it would be like you'd talk about hope and joy and peace and, and love throughout the Christmas season. I love, I love what Advent is. Um, I love what Advent means. That word Advent is the worship of this Christmas season. That's what Advent is. The word Advent literally means the arrival of a notable person. So we're talking about the arrival of Jesus Christ. And how you worship Advent is the celebration, listen to this, Advent is the celebration of the first arrival of Jesus and then living anticipation of the second arrival of Jesus. So I love that word. I love that, I love that idea that in this season, you can use this opportunity to guide your heart, to celebrate the worship, worship the first coming of Christ, and then live in anticipation of his second coming. I know that Jesus speaks all throughout the New Testament saying, you need to be ready. You need to be alert. You need to be ready for when I come back. For a servant needs to come back and find his servants or a master needs to come back and find his servants working. You know, so I, I really do. I love that word. Um, as we look at different prophecies today, as we look at different genealogies today, I pray and I hope that our, height, our hearts are guided to adoration and worship of Jesus' first coming. And then today as we leave, we will worship and live in anticipation of the second. Let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this awesome opportunity to, uh, Lord, look into your word. Um, God, we get to, today we get to look at several places in the word. Lord, and seeing this great buildup, this great, this great uh, climax of what's going to happen in the Bible. Who are we waiting for? God, our people need a savior. God, I pray that as we observe those things, as we realize today, that you are the Messiah, that you are the Savior. God, that it would guide our hearts to worship. We would see the significance of your birth, but we would also live in worship of it. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So in the very beginning, God created man. And God and man in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, walked in perfect harmony, in unity, in right relationship together. It was a beautiful picture. Think about like a, a beautiful picture that's on the wall, right? But then that beautiful picture was fractured, broken, because man rebelled against God and disobeyed him. 
And so there set in a curse brought to man. Hope for man was gone. Relationship with God cut off. Man now knows of good and evil. Man now knows how to rebel against God. Sin has entered the world and God speaks of the curse of sin to man. In the very, very beginning. But God himself in Genesis 3.15, look at Genesis 3.15. I'm gonna read it. God himself promises. Now he's talking about the curse of sin here. But then he, he gives us a glimpse of hope. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, but he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And so he speaks of one that's gonna come that will be born an offspring of the woman that will bruise the head, his, his heel will be bruised, but he will crush the head of the serpent, the snake, evil, sin. And so from this point in Genesis 3.15, God's people keep an eye out for the hope. We look in the end of, uh, or in the, really in the middle of Genesis, God blesses Abraham. He says, Abraham, you were gonna be the father of many nations. We call this the Abrahamic covenant. He makes a covenant with Abraham and says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Keep, these, keep, keep this covenant, uh, but you're, you are gonna be uh, the father of a great nation. You're gonna be, uh, your people are gonna be like the number of the stars. All these amazing things that he promised to Abraham. And God's people throughout all these things are looking for a savior over and over. God's people grow in number it's true of the promise of Abraham that they grow and they become a nation, really. Egypt takes them into slavery. The Hebrew people are in slavery for 400 years. There's millions of Hebrews, this nation that God has promised to take care of and be their God is now in slavery. And the people cry out and say, God, save us. Send someone, send something, do something. God, you said that you would take care of us. And God said, you're right. So he sent a prophet. He sent Moses. He sent Moses. Moses was a great man, but Moses was an imperfect man. Moses killed somebody. Moses made a lot of mistakes in leading the Israelites. He led the Israelites out of slavery, which is an amazing thing. Goodness, that's a foreshadowing of being brought out of the curse of sin. However, they, it's, Moses is not the one. The people are saying, who will be our savior? Who will be the one that will, that, will, that will heal our hearts, that will deliver us? We've been physically delivered, but you look at the Old Testament, you look at the book of Exodus, and you see that the people still have a major heart problem, and they still disobey God, and they still don't trust God, and they still are looking for something, right? Surely it's Moses, right? This great leader, well, Moses makes a mistake and he's not even able to enter into the promised land that God has said that he would lead his people to. And this is what Moses says about himself. Look at Deuteronomy 18.15. It'll be up on the screen. Deuteronomy 18.15. He says, hey, the Lord your God, he will raise up a prophet like me from among you for your countrymen 
you shall listen to him. Hey, there's gonna be a better prophet. Oh man, okay, now we're, now we're really looking, okay, who's gonna be this prophet, this amazing prophet, right? Is it Elijah? Is it gonna be Elisha? Is it gonna be all these different guys that the Lord appoints to speak to the nation of Israel and guide them back to the Lord? Is it these prophets? Is it this person? My goodness, maybe if we could just have a king, right? We need a king. God, we need a king. Raise us up a king, one that can lead us, right? He'll be the one. God says, okay, he gives him David. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man that was chosen and anointed by God. But David was an adulterous, and adulterous man that was a murderer. Again and again and again, we see throughout the Old Testament that the people need a savior, a deliverer. They're awaiting this coming, this, the coming of this Messiah, one that will deliver them one that will not just physically bring them out of harm's way, but that will heal their hearts and allow them to be in unity with God. All this build up, hope is lost, who will deliver us? Let me ask you a question real quick before we look at this prophecy in a second. I'm gonna be in Isaiah chapter nine if you wanna go there. Let me ask you a question. Do you see, do you see the relation between your own heart and the heart and the attitude of the Israelites, the nation of Israel, the people of God? God, when are you going to fulfill this promise? When will you send this Messiah that you speak of? Is it this guy? It's not him. Is it this guy? It's not him. Man, if we could just have a king. Well, he let us down too. Your heart yearns for those things as well. And you walked into this place today, Christian or not, believer or not, feeling the tug on your heart for something greater to give your life to that'll fix you, that'll give you purpose, that'll give you fulfillment, just like the Israelite people. Who is it? Who is the one that will do what I'm looking for? Not that we approach Christ for what he does for us. But again and again and again, I mean, isn't it silly that time and time, time and time again, we convince ourselves that someone or something unworthy of worship will be the one to deliver us and save our hearts. You see that in your life? I know you don't literally like think that, you know, oh my goodness, this is the person or the thing that's gonna fix my whole life. But if you look at the actions of your life and what you follow and what you strive after and what you put the most time towards and what you really honestly, the word could be worship, well, then that's the thing that you believe in your heart that is gonna fix you and that's gonna give you fulfillment and is gonna give you purpose. My goodness, if I could just have a better job, if I could just have this relationship, if I could just 
uh, be married like everybody else, if I could just uh, have this person, if I could be a part of this group, if I could have another, uh, enough money, if I could have enough success, my goodness, if I could just have some of these things, well, then everything would be okay. And is this gonna be the one that's gonna save me and deliver my heart? Once again, you receive those things, you chased after that stuff, and you're let down again and again and again. Just like these kings, just like these prophets, just like these people that are unworthy of worship, that are not the Messiah, right? You see it? I see it. I see it in my heart, for real. The lie believed is that this thing or this person or this lifestyle is gonna be the one, the thing that I need. I see it in, it's all ages. I do see it in young people a lot, for sure. I saw it in my heart when I was young. Try everything, you know? The amazing thing is, is that I I can't remember the exact scripture um, reference, but Paul tells uh, the church in Corinth, hey, be, 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 be babies to what is evil. You know, no evil, like be, be ignorant to what is evil, but then be mature in the things that you need to know, right? So we don't have to try everything out. We don't have to test everything out. The amazing thing is that we have the word of God that leads us and guides our hearts to the exact thing that we're looking for. And that's what we're looking at today. Look at Isaiah chapter nine, verse six and seven. Let's read that together. So we, we're in the book of Isaiah. We're roughly 700 years before the coming of Jesus. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, he speaks of a character. You know, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. He speaks of a character, one that is going to bring hope. Verse 6, let's read it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, the government shall be on his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it, with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So we see here in in Isaiah chapter 9, this foreshadowing of a character that's going to be an amazing character. He gives a description of the things that he will be characterized by, so how to look for him. And then we know that the Israelite people have a misconception of what the Messiah will look like. The Messiah is gonna be this amazing guy that's gonna come in and he's gonna overthrow the government that is, is oppressing the people of God and he's literally gonna uh, like take out the people that are against us and he's gonna reign on this throne and he's gonna do all these amazing things for us and it's gonna be quite obvious that he is an awesome guy. Well, Jesus came and he did it in a different way. He came as a servant, one that brings peace, one that did not overcome his enemies, but died, right? And so 
we, we see this foreshadowing in Isaiah chapter 9, and we see the description of who this man will be. It says that he's going to be, the government is going to be on his shoulder. He's going to be in charge, right? A child is born, a son is given, and his name shall be called, look at this, Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor. Let's stop there. A Counselor. Think about Jesus. If you know him, think about the relationship you have with him in this time. If you don't know him, think about, I want you to hear who he is. Wonderful counselor. A counselor, one who is able to make wise plans. One who is able to actually make good plans, you know? One who is fit to guide the lives of his followers. I mean, counseling is a good thing, but it's really good when your counselor knows everything. And he knows exactly where to lead you, exactly where to take you. And when you follow this counselor and do what he says and follow the advice that he brings, then your life will be full of joy and fulfillment. Not not ease, but joy and fulfillment. Then he says he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. Man, the, the name of God himself, bearing the name of Yahweh, mighty. Nothing can stand against him. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. An everlasting father. Man, there may be some people here today that like, Father is not a good word to you because of your relationship with your father is not good. Earthly fathers sometimes, or earthly parents for that matter, don't always do what they're supposed to do. But the man that will come that Isaiah chapter 9 speaks of is an everlasting father, a benevolent protector, one that is actually trustworthy. A man, one that you can trust one that will care for you, a father. In, in Romans chapter eight, Paul says that we can cry, those who have the spirit of God can cry to God and say, Abba, Father, Dad. He's an everlasting father. And then his final description of this man, this character of this man, Prince of Peace. His reign will bring peace, peace eternally, Peace between God and man. That's who Jesus Christ will be. That's who the Messiah will be. And we look and we have the answers. Thank goodness we can look at the New Testament and say, wow, doesn't Jesus fill those characteristics to the T? And then now, you believer, get to experience Christ in your life if you take the opportunity to experience Christ in your life. If you make the most of the opportunity to worship God and walk in community with him in your life, then you get to see the personal relationship that God is an almighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace, a wonderful counselor. Man, all those things are true to you and that testifies to your heart today that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's good. Right, amen? Yeah, so then he says in verse seven, he says, you know who this man will be? Here's how to look for him. The increase of the government and peace will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This man will be of the throne of David. So when will he come? Where is the Savior? He's going to come from the line of David. So, the Old Testament, we have all these prophecies. We have all these foreshadowings of who Jesus is, descriptions of what the Messiah will look like. And we're anticipating this coming, this arrival, this advent of the Messiah. 400 years before the arrival of Jesus, we have the last book of the Old Testament, the prophet of Malachi. He speaks of the coming of Jesus. We have all these prophets, all these things that happen, but we have no Messiah. And we have 400 years of silence between our Old Testament and our New Testament. No prophet, no word from the Lord, not directly, not one that we have in the Word, in the Bible. 400 years of seemingly silence from God. And then the silence is broken in the New Testament. An angel speaks to a young lady and a young man and tells them that they are going to be mother and father and she is going to be a virgin and that they are going to have a baby and his name will be Jesus and he will be the Messiah. So we break the silence here. Turn with me to Matthew chapter one, please. So all this buildup, all this foreshadowing, all these prophecies, who is the one? Well, it's Jesus. But we look at the book of Matthew today because Matthew writes of, look in the first, first, first uh, chapter there, the very first verse. It says, this is the genealogies of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. So two guys that we've talked about today. Um, that the prophecy said that they would have to be from. And so Matthew chooses to introduce the Messiah Jesus in like a very specific way, with a genealogy. That's the part we skip, you know? Like you're reading, you be honest, you're reading the Bible, you get to a genealogy, I ain't reading all these hard names, you skip it, right? Today we're not gonna skip it, we're gonna look at it, okay? Matthew chapter one, verse one, this is the genealogies of Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah? He is the son of David, the son of Abraham, okay? Matthew begins this Messiah's arrival with a genealogy, kind of anticlimactic. Why would you do that, Matthew? This doesn't really make any sense. Matthew chapter one, look at verses five and six. Matthew chapter one, verse five and six. Oh my goodness, I've gotta to get to Matthew. There it is. Matthew chapter one, verse five and six. And Salmon, the father, I think it's Salmon, maybe it's Salmon, I don't know. The father of Boaz and Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. We've heard of those characters in the Old Testament. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. So Jesus is of the line of David, fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah chapter nine. He is the one, possibly the one that we're looking for, right? Skip on down, verse 11. Matthew chapter one, verse 11. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his father and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. 
And so now we see this genealogy follows into the Babylonian uh, exile. Verse 12, and the deportation to Babylon. Jeconiah was a father of, let's keep going. Verse 16, look at verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one. Now, why are we reading a genealogy today? And Matthew does something very specific and special with his genealogy. And he reveals that in verse 17. He says, to conclude this genealogy in verse 17, so all the genealogies from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations. And then from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now, if you notice something, it's 14, 14, 14. There was actually, historically, much more than 14 generations between all these things. So why would Matthew write that there was only 14 generations? That doesn't make any sense. Is he lying? He has a purpose. The reason that Matthew says there's 14 generations from here to here to here, 14, 14, 14, he is speaking to the Jews, and the Jews know something. They know that they're looking for the Messiah. They know that he's gonna have to be from David and Abraham. And so he's saying, hey, this is your guy. And just to put a little bit of emphasis on it, 14, 14, 14, the number of completion, the perfect number in the Bible, seven. And, Jesus, and he's saying, 14, Jesus is double the perfect one that is here to be the Messiah. He is the perfect one. He is coming at the perfect time to be a perfect person, to be a perfect sacrifice for you and me. Jesus is the one you're looking for. And the search is over and he's all you'll ever need and he's the only one that is going to sustain you. Jesus is the one. Look at this genealogy. He is perfect. He came at the perfect time. Isn't that awesome? Hey, hear that today. That's not just to, to the Jews and Matthew. That's to us. Jesus is the one you're looking for today. Hey, if you don't know him, if you don't trust him, if you don't believe that he's the one that he says he is, well, I just proved a lot of, the Bible proves a lot of different stuff. Proving, I mean, prophecies, 700 years before the coming of Jesus Christ, he comes and he fulfills and fits a perfect description, born of a virgin, and Matthew's saying he's the man. He's the one you're looking for. He is the Messiah. The search is over. My goodness, is the search over today for you? Why do our hearts continue to search for more? Jesus is all we need. And that's an easy little buzz phrase to just stick right out of your mind, you know? Jesus is the one. He is all we need. He is the fulfillment of these things. And he is the one that can fulfill you. That's good news. Why do we celebrate Advent? Why do we celebrate this arrival of Jesus Christ? And by the way, my prayer, I already said this, but I, I, I pray that today, in light of these things, you can spend this season in specific worship and prayer and, and time with Jesus. Don't miss that opportunity.
Why do we celebrate Advent, the arrival of Christ? Because he's not just some regular baby. He's not just a baby, you know? Like here in a couple weeks, maybe, could be tomorrow, um, I, I'm going to have a baby, you know? And she's going to be the most sweet little baby, and I will love her with all my heart, and she will be the most important thing to me other than Jesus. All the, like he, she will be the one that I love, right? But she's just going to be a baby. The amazing thing about Jesus is that he wasn't just a baby. He's the Messiah, the one that saves us and delivers. Delivers all those who have faith in him. The Bible says to, to evaluate your heart, to, whether, to, to test yourself. Evaluate yourself. Are you in the faith? Man, what does your affection run towards in your heart today? Is it Jesus who is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace, who crushed the head of the serpent of death. He offers the salvation, the deliverance of sin. He offers purpose, satisfaction to all those who would trust in him. Why do we run? Why won't you run to him this Christmas? Won't you celebrate his arrival and his advent? He is more than just a baby. I'm going to read a passage. I'm not going to preach a passage. I'm going to read a passage. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. I may have to read it from the screen. I forgot to mark it too. Oh, I got it. All right. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. Jesus is more than just a baby, right? Look, it's describing the humility of Jesus. By the way, great passage. I said I wasn't going to preach it. But emptied himself, verse 7, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So we're celebrating that this Advent season, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of what Jesus has done because of who he is, because he is the Messiah, and he has taken death for those who would put faith in him for, out of love, you know? Verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hey, who's Jesus today? That's who he is today. Not just a baby. Not just a guy. Not just a cool dude. Jesus was cool though. But he's the man that sits at the right hand of the Father. God. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. He is exalted and he is in heaven right now interceding for us because of what he's done, because of who he is. And remember Advent, now we live in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus because he's coming back. This is where he is right now. 
But he'll be back. And when he comes back, we just studied Revelation on Wednesday night, I believe. But you talked about all this stuff. When he comes back, it's going to be an amazing thing. We will be with Jesus forever, new heaven and new earth, all those things. But you got to be ready for that. So use this Christmas season, use this celebration of Advent for that. And join along with Israel. Anticipation, Jesus is here. We know who he is. He says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, which means God with us, shall come to thee, O Israel, and he shall come to us as well. Worship this Advent season. Let's pray, and then I believe we have some business to take care of. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for this amazing opportunity to uh, study your word. And Lord, God, uh, see these amazing prophecies and genealogies and all these different things that, God, sometimes we don't think about. And, and you know, God, we, we, I pray, God, that these things will guide our hearts to worship. I pray that, God, we would stop searching for saviors. God, that we would see that you're the one. You're all we need. Sustain us and fulfill us and prove to us, God, you already have that you're all we need. I pray that each one of us in here today will realize that and follow in that and live that way. We ask these things in your name. Amen. We hope you received a blessing from this week's message. If you have any questions about what you've heard from Pastor Shannon this week, you may call our church office at area code 205-339-4071. We pray that God's word strengthens you as you go on your journey today.